Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Here to help us unwind from the week that was are the producer and host of the podcast Normal Gossip, Alex Sujung Laughlin and Kelsey McKinney. Alex, Kelsey, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you both for doing this. I love Normal Gossip. It's such a fun hang. So I'm excited to have you all on. My gosh, thank you. Okay, so I want to start with a story that caught my attention this week from the New York Times style section. It is about the it plant. Apparently, the fiddly fig is no longer the hip plant to have. There's a new one. It's got the market cornered, and it's called the Geoganthus ciliatus, (laughs) a plant buyer founded on an expedition somewhere. Apparently, it's super pricey. It's like a whole thing. Um, It's funny because, like, I am a houseplant person, but this article kind of made me really sad and sucked all the fun out of having plants because it was like oh this is another market Mm -hmm. I don't know what did you think like Kelsey are you a plant person I am a new plant person and I feel Mm. like I am already kind of a decade behind on plants just by showing up like in the year 2022 (laughs) I went to a plant store the other day to get a new plant for my house and it was $40 which was um, a very large surprise to me. Mm. And then the woman at the counter gave me all of these, you know, tips for how to keep it alive. And I realized I was just way over my head. And that's kind of how I felt reading this article also, is I was like, you know, I think I'm more prepared for like the kind of plants they have at Home Depot than I am for (laughs) this, this guy. Kelsey, do you know what kind of plant you got? Yeah, what did you get? Um, I got, I ended up buying a snake plant because she oh, took perfect. pity on me and knew <laughs> she could see the fear in my eyes. And she was like, you know, I think this is the plant you actually want. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. It is. I'm pretty sure it's the snake plant that they also call the mother-in-law plant because you can't get rid of <laughs> my it. God. So you're in good shape. <laughs> What about you, Alex? Are you into plants yeah, at all? You know, I have I have kind of a lot of plants around the house. I think I went through a phase in like 2017 where I was coping with the election by just like acquiring plants. Mm. Um, a lot of them didn't survive my move from D.C. to New York, but I have a couple Ugh. that have like been with me since they were teeny, teeny, tiny, and now they're huge, and it's. Like, it's almost like a pet. It, and I feel, like, really emotional toward them. Yeah. Like, I, like they are part of the family now. That does remind me of something. We had Jenny Slate on the show years ago now, and she loves houseplants. And she talked mm-hmm. about how, like, all they really ask for is just to move towards the light, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, both literally and symbolically is so lovely, especially this time of year, right? In my quest um, to find plants that I cannot kill, I have adopted a rosemary bush. Um, which is very difficult to kill because it's a weed, but I do have to kind of like gaslight it about where the sun is by just like turning it around all the time and being like, haha, no, it's over here because it just wants to grow in one just parallel line to the sun, which is beautiful. It's glorious. I love it. 
Okay, so also this week, season two of the Netflix series Russian Doll came out. Um, this is a Natasha Leone time loop show that came out a million years ago in February of 2019, which is insane to fathom. Um, I'm really conflicted about a season two of this one because it was originally marketed as just like a limited series. It was just going to be the season one. I thought it was also perfect as it was. And so I'm a little bit like, do we need more of this content? Like, are we stretching the IP on a thing that should just Mm -hmm. exist as it was? And it got me wondering, are either of you into this one? Did you watch this, Alex? I So I watched the first couple episodes and I really Mm. liked it, but I think I got a little too stressed out by it. (laughs) Um, So I did not continue. Although, you know, what you're saying about stretching shows longer than than their lifespan really resonates. Um, I was a huge fan of The Magicians, Mm. which was the show on sci-fi and like seasons one and two are like absolute perfection but then they had to keep going you know right it's like sometimes sometimes we want more and the best thing is to just not give us more (laughs) right (laughs) what do you think kelsey i watched um i watched this show when it came out i have no memory of it because it was so long ago it was a million years ago Um, i also agree with alex that you always can get into trouble as a creative if you are constantly trying to produce more because people are saying we we want more we need more please give us more and this Mm -hmm. this kind of expanding a limited series into a second season scares me I love Natasha Leone so I'm hopeful that it will be really good Mm -hmm. but right like my favorite tv show is the Americans and that is a show that the creator of that show went in knowing it would be five seasons and I think about that so much that like he had a full vision for what that show would be at the very beginning and I think more and more creators are not able to do that because the need is just infinitely more content instead of (laughs) make us the best content you can this just like really resonates like thinking about a lot of the conversations that Kelsey and I have been having about normal gossip um, hmm. because we had an eight episode season and then we've taken a break and we took a break um, so that we could rest but also so that we could produce a new season of more, the show. More, more, more. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're getting a lot of people being like, okay, but what if it was a weekly show forever? And mm. we're like, it's it wouldn't be the same. Like, we sure. wouldn't be able to make the same show. Of course. I also think, though, I mean, like, to me, it's especially when you think about a story arc, you know? Like, I think about the mm-hmm. trauma of a show like Lost, which, mm-hmm. like, the premise was so great. Everyone was so all in. Or, I mean, even Game of Thrones, right? Where it's just like, oh, y'all really missed the mark on that, you know? <laughs> and then there's also the trauma I was thinking about with this around a show like My So-Called Life, which I would argue had one perfect season, yeah, but it got canceled. And so, and like, you know, even mm. Freaks and Geeks, like I feel like there were a lot of shows when we were coming up that were so good, partly because they were so short-lived, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm advocating that you should only do one season of Normal Gossip, obviously. <laughs> I think it's hard with a show like this, too, because obviously there are shows that have been on for, you know, how long has Grey's Anatomy been on? 20-something, oh 20 yeah, years. Some, yeah. um, but that's because the show is made to be, like, self-inclusive. Each episode right. is its own thing. And the first season of this show was so... It was made that the season was a whole thing. So yes, it was a wrap at the end. Like there was no cliffhanger. There was, you know, it was like a perfect bite sized bit on its own. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about it compared even to like Severance, which obviously we need a season two of, you know? (laughs) 
there were zero answers. <laughs> Maybe there there were like two answers, but there are like 500 <laughs> questions still lingering. Yes, many, many more questions and answers for sure. All right, more with Alex and Kelsey in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, so a bookish story that recently caught our attention was about how the New York Public Library is offering free access nationally to books that are on challenge lists across the U.S. Obviously, we've heard a lot about how there are more and more books being challenged these days. Um, Kelsey, is this something that was on your radar? It has been on my radar. You know, I grew up in Texas, which is a state um, Mm. that's very good at leading the charge on things like this. And I remember there being like, I, there being an outcry when I was in elementary school Mm. over the Harry Potter books and there being this kind of like the belief amongst parents that the Harry Potter books were going to, you know, convert their children to witchcraft. <laughs> right. This wasn't because J.K. Rowling was problematically turfy. This was about like witchcraft. Exactly. Just to be clear. Yeah. And that and yeah. I think about that a lot because I remember even at that very young age being like, wait, so what's inside this secret book I'm not supposed to read? And so, of mm. course, I read it, right? Like by banning <laughs> things, you inherently make them like sexier, yeah. I think. <laughs> And I, I just, I don't think it's a good policy because of that. Like, it's not effective for what you even say you want to do. And it also is the idea that you're going to ban books and keep people from information Mm -hmm. is completely outdated in 2022. Children have the internet, they don't need books and books are supposed to challenge you. They're supposed to make you rethink what you believe about the world and your space in it. And I think about books that have really forced me to reconsider my life. And they're on these book th- these book lists that are being banned. And that that's mm-hmm. the problem, right? It's like if you're only consuming culture that reinforces your own experience of the world, you have no, mm-hmm. you're not consuming art at large. Yeah. What do you think, Alex? Uh, yeah, it's, I, you know, I've I've been looking through these lists of the top banned books over the decades, and I've just been struck by how many of them were books that I read in school, either mm. in middle school or high school or college, and just how um, grateful I feel that I was in a place where my school's assigned to these books, um, especially realizing now that this, you know, they were assigned at a time when they were being banned. Mm. So you know, these books, I'm, I'm like thinking about Fun Home and The Bluest Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, these were books that really, you know, like Kelsey said, they kind of challenged me to think about um, seeing the world a little bit differently. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's deeply upsetting. Like, we're, we're writers, and we're people who make media. And, um, you know, we've, 
like Kelsey and I have kind of devoted our lives to telling stories that reflect us and our experiences um, in order to give other people a sort of reflection of that. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's really disheartening to see this. At the same time, it is kind of reaffirming to me that there's like beauty in working on stories, yeah. right? That like even <laughs> now when people are watching so much television and consuming so many kinds of media, there's still fear in the power yeah. of the book, right? That like mm. if you read The Bluest Eye, it's going to change your mind. And like that is really beautiful to me that, that we still think books have that power. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the top 10 books that was challenged last year is a kid's book called Prince and Night, which I know about because my little COVID pod fam oh has a three-year-old God. in it and <laughs> she really loved it. And it's the cute, it's a little picture book and it's about a prince and a knight who like have to team up to fight a dragon and then they fall in love Aww. and they get married and it's the cutest. And there's another one that he wrote that's like about a princess who meets a maiden at a ball and everyone's like, God, you'll meet a amazing. prince, it'll be great. But she meets this chick and everybody's like, oh, that's cool too. <laughs> and they're just like so lovely and refreshing. And it's like, man, I'm just so thrilled that these things exist, you know? It's so cute. It's super cute. Okay, so before we let you two go, we thought we'd do something a little different this time around and ask you each to share something that has just like completely delighted you this week. Uh, Alex, let's start with you. What do you got in your delight box? <laughs> well, my delight box is full of sequins. Um, <laughs> because I I just like, you know, there, there's this TikTok meme of like, um, like me at work. And it's like just a picture of you looking dead face. But then in the background, it's like a video playing on loop. And my video <laughs> playing on loop is Harry Styles at Coachella, specifically singing with Shania Twain. It's the gift that I did not know I needed. Everything Harry Styles does, like, I'm like, holy crap. I just, I I did, you know, I knew that they existed in the same universe in theory. Sure. But to see them (laughs) performing on stage together, I was like, wow, like, God is real. Oh, that's such a good one. What do you got, Kelsey? I, too, have been watching that video a lot. Um, (laughs) But something that has brought me a lot of delight is the second season of Bridgerton, which I know I'm late to. I know that, like, everyone has already been through this, but I watched it in, like, a single gulp. And (laughs) I never do that. Like, I never sit down and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to watch eight hours of television straight because my body just doesn't like it for some reason. Mm. But the second season of Bridgerton, it was just like swallowing a glass of water. I was like, this is so nice and refreshing and just washed over me like a cool breeze. Wow. What a recommendation. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Do I remember what happened on it? Absolutely not. I have no idea. Well, that's, you got to keep the slate clean for new content. Exactly. You know? That's you so true. Keep going. Well, Kelsey, Alex, thank you both so much for coming on. This was very fun. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. All right, that's it for this week. Did you know we have a pretty sweet little newsletter? You can sign up for it over at wbez.org slash AF. And then every Friday morning, you'll get a preview of this week's episode along with book club updates and links to wonderful things in general. Again, that sign up link is wbez.org slash AF. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you next week.
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.